Say It Skillfully is about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence and learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create your reality in a way that's true to yourself. We're hearing from callers today, and I want to take a moment to recognize my callers today, those in the past and those in the future. I appreciate the courage it may take to share on the air and your spirit of serving others. By our unpacking a challenging situation for you, it's in service to listeners all around the world, and that's why I started the show. So my hat's off to you. Now, I am thrilled to welcome from Northern California, my old stomping ground, Bennett. Bennett, thank you for joining me on Say It Skillfully. Yeah. Hi, Molly. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited to be on the show today. Yeah, I'm super jazzed too. Okay, Bennett, what uh, challenging conversation or situation is on your mind? Hmm. Yeah, um... That's a good question. Um, so, I mean, I think, you know, earlier in the year, um, I had I had a little bit of trouble, you know, kind of picking a path. Um, I think, you know, going to, you know, going to college, like you have so many different opportunities um, and, you know, different kinds of, you know, things you can try, different classes you can take. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's pretty hard to kind of narrow down. Um, would love to hear some advice on, you know, how to pick a direction in life. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you raising this. Uh, I don't have my own kids, but I do have five darling nieces and nephews uh, whom I mm-hmm. obviously adore. And I really appreciate this. And I think, you know, my heart is out for um, the generation now because they're, I guess, in the olden days <laughs> where I'm from, it was a little bit more set, you know, and I do think that there is a lot of option for people. I guess the first thing I would say, Bennett, is um, it can be very tempting to look all around at everybody else, Um, you know, whether that's the schools that they're going to, um, what's deemed right or wrong, parental pressures. And I think it's great to to soak that in, yeah, and just acknowledge it um, and to put it out there and not to judge it, right? And that can be really Mm -hmm. hard. And, I, you know, I remember we had an intervention with my parents after we had gotten out of school about how we felt so much pressure, we could only come home with A's, you know, and, and they were, my parents were like, what? I'm like, yeah, we <laughs> felt really, you know, so it may seem that sometimes I think just creating the transparency for how you're feeling and what you're landing can be a very uh, therapeutic thing and a really important thing to, uh-huh. to be in relationship with, right? And then I would say, so that's just kind of, I would say, a landscape. And then... For your own inner conversation, thinking like, gosh, you know, how am I feeling? And not to judge yourself. And I use this saying a lot, you know, be your best friend, not your worst enemy. That would be what I would wish for you. And I see a lot of people, you know, you work hard, you've accomplished a lot, you've check, 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 right? And it's like, yeah. give yourself a break. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, I guess I might ask when you think about I do a lot of you know career advice for folks, but I think when folks are young, there's kind of no wrong 
there's no wrong, there's very few wrong decisions. You know, later in career, there can be things that maybe aren't the right way to go. Um, so I yeah. guess it is about, about like, what do you, what do, what do you love to do? What lights you up? And I, and I don't say this in an airy fairy way, like, oh, I need to be a poet. And I, you know, I, I say that like, what are some of the things that really are interesting problems in the world or, or situations you see that you might want to be a part of or get to know more about? So there's just a pure interest level. Um, yeah, and, no, and then, I mean, yeah, yeah. Oh, Oh, no, go, sorry, ahead, go, go ahead. Go ahead. You go, no, no, you go ahead because um, I've been talking way too long. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, uh, the advice has been awesome. Um, I mean, I think for me, definitely, you know, getting into the narrow space has been something I've kind of come to realize I'm, I'm really interested in. Um, but then, you know, trying to figure out the best path to get into that area is still, I think, what I'm trying to figure out. So, so share more about the path, the, you know, the area of space that you're into. Um, yeah, so I guess just neurology, um, neuroscience, but, you know, being in the Bay Area, um, there's a lot of growth in uh, neurotech, so kind of combining, like, uh, neurology and then um, also, like, some disciplines like computer science and electrical engineering or mechanical engineering um, to, you know, develop kind of therapeutics to, um, I guess, help, you know, cure or... Um, I guess, un- better understand um, certain, you know, mental illnesses is kind of like the area I, I hope to get into eventually. Um, but I think there's, you know, generally some different paths you could take to get there, um, whether that's, you know, doing a startup route, um, you know, out of college um, and trying to, you know, break into in- industry that way or, you know, trying to pursue a PhD or an MD to, you know, maybe establish some credibility and then joining a company later. Um, yeah, I, I would love to hear some advice on how you, you know, know which path to kind of choose in that regard. Yeah. Wow. So I'm already like blown away and you just need to know this, which is totally random. I have, if I said, if I had to do it again, I would be a neuroscience major. Right. And so mm-hmm. I'm so glad to hear you say that because I can vicariously enjoy it through you. Um, so <laughs> neuroscience is so cool. <laughs> it's so cool. I think it's very cool, and I know nothing about it. So I just, I, you know, that that's where I'm at. So, um, it's bravo on, by the way, on the mental illness uh, focus and interest. I think that that's just just an area that we need to have better understanding and greater answers and ways for people to help each other through it. So um, my yeah, own family sure. has had some of that, and it's, it's very near and dear to me. You know, I think about this as some of the things that you could do like some things you can do later and sooner and some things are harder to do, you know, later. And from the, the academics of it and having an academic grounding, if you're interested in that, right. If that's understanding how it comes together, appreciating the science, um, the different disciplines you've mentioned, obviously interdisciplinary work is so fundamental. It may seem like a longer path. Yeah, for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. I think I, I was out in the valley too. So people hit it great. They get in the great startup. And then like, it's this dreamy, dreamy kind of situation, except for that for most people, it's not that dreamy. <laughs> so Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally get that too. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I think that, you know, just identifying some of the discipline areas that you're really interested in and want to learn more about. And then not that you have to figure out the answer, but you at least say, these are some areas. Let me go talk to some people in these fields. And start to get what I call primary research. So just, and it doesn't take many. Start to reach out. You get a little bit of a menu. I'm happy to help you with it. And some of the questions you might ask. 
about what they're learning, what they got out of it, what they see the field heading, something they might have done differently along the way when they were your age. And you start to make it a, a little bit of a data project and start to inform you know, to this notion of shared reality, a view of the space. Where do people see opportunities? You're at what, what, what are some of the things they wish they could snap their fingers and change? And so gotcha. rather than kind of mulling on by yourself, you're starting to get primary. Um, it, and by the way, great networking, because who doesn't want to talk to mm. a young bright light like you, right? <laughs> Wants to make the world better. Um, and then okay. think about that. The PhD route, you know, I want to get a PhD someday. Um, I do have folks who've done that sooner in their earlier years, but it ended up like they didn't actually get out into the real world for quite some time, which can be mm. fine if that's what you like, but it's not as applied in, um, in actually, you know, solving real world problems, which can be what some people really like that. Um, if you're more of a people person and you want to be collaborating and solving real problems, doing a PhD sooner may feel like, oh, God, I just want to get this over with so I can, you know, do something. So let me pause there. What's mm, landing for you? Yeah. I, I definitely, you know, I definitely want to, like, get into the world. Um, and, you know, through the research I'm doing, I, there's, you know, I have some mentors who are PhDs, and I do hear frequently, you know, they're like, you know, I, you know, I just want to, um, you know, get out and try to, you know, uh, you know, join the industry. Um, but I, I also do, you know, I, I do think, you know, having a PhD really helps in, um, you know, landing a job, especially in a, you know, a really specialized field such as neuroscience. So it, it's a, it's kind of a hard, um, I guess hard, you know, thing to balance, you know, figure out like, you know, getting your credibility first versus, um, I guess, you know, being able to like, you know, do what you want and, you know, join the, the, the job market. Yeah, I guess, um, you know, I'm a, a little bit of both worlds and, you know, I don't, you know, I think if it's, um, uh, I mean, I could be wrong here, but it doesn't strike me that there's, there's a real wrong answer, right? And I, and I sure. think that yeah. it is more about if you canvas um, and if you, you know, kind of sensing that you feel like this credibility in the PhD thing might really matter for you. Um, but mm. I don't know if, if folks have been engaged with industry as they have done their PhDs. So that it's not a mutually exclusive, mm, yeah, yeah, option. Um, you know, yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I guess I might ask um, just because, you know, I, what I want for young people is not to have a lot of angst. I feel I feel like there's a lot of pressure on young people. They're like, pick the right thing, yeah. do the right thing. You only have one chance. You know, and, and Bennett, there's like there's there's not many wrong answers. Like there's for you, I can't really imagine any. So. You might give yourself permission to say, you know what, this is, I've done the analytics, I've talked to different people, and give yourself a chance to have a, an intuitive sense about it and make that call. And you know what, if you had new information at a certain point in time, you can say, hey, I have new information, I can reassess, and you can, you can change your mind. So I do want to offer for the young people out there, you know, my, my, um, my deepest wish is that you don't have stress. And I have, uh, I have seen this with the social media, uh, with right or wrong, with the pressures. I get it. The, the admissions to school are very low, et cetera, et cetera. We can't change any of that. We can control what's going on within you. Uh, so control the controllables. And I think that's really, uh, you know, I, I, frankly, I wish I learned that a heck of a lot earlier than I did. And I used to really think about 
what everyone else thought, what's right, what's wrong, and give yourself space to think about, huh, maybe the way everyone's thinking about it or talking about it isn't exactly the right way to go. So that's a little bit of thought on that. I have to say I am really um, thrilled about the neuroscience piece because that is a, an area of study that I'd always wanted to do. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, you make a decision based on the information you have. Let's say you make the rounds. Um, generally, what I have found is that there's some intuitive sense of, like, this is the way I should go, right? In my younger oh. years, I would have not, I would have jumped ahead. I wouldn't have waited for myself to feel that. I would have just made a call, and it's never really served me well. So when I have realized that it's, I, ha- I can't quite figure it out, like, I don't have it, a, a, I don't know which way to go, then it, I would wait. So I'd never forced it. I was like, you know uh-huh. what? Obviously, the universe is out there. There's something I'm missing or haven't heard yet or haven't seen yet that isn't letting me have a sense of the right way for me to go. So let me take my foot yeah. off the accelerator a little bit, breathe it in, make, maybe make more rounds. I guess what I'm saying is don't force it. And I'm, I'm wondering how mm, that lands that- for you. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I was wondering if there was any point in your life where you felt like you made a choice um, in regards, you know, maybe to your career that you wish like you hadn't done or, um, yeah, just generally. Oh, yeah. Like, so, like, so how many, we don't have the 24 hours that I could go through those, but I will say one in particular. <laughs> um, and I think the choice wasn't so much about the role, Bennett. I think that in every role, even if it wasn't a long-term fit, it was really great to have that experience um, from a skills standpoint and and being different environments. My biggest regrets, Mm. big, were in how I behaved in the workplace. And um, one, not really seeing each human being for the value that they were as a human. And, you know, when you go to, you know, quote unquote, a good school or you have this good background, it's, it can be very tempting to think you're better, right? Because that's a little bit of the programming you might get out of these yeah. elite institutions, yeah? And mm-hmm. I, yeah. yeah, I just, I'm just like, so, like, I shudder. Like, I'm just mortified at how I, I wasn't um, really honoring and, and as kind to people as I really needed to be. So that would be one. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing would be when I... You know, I was really holding on tight to being right. Like I learned that my, somehow in my life, it was like, you have to be right. And it's good to be right. And right is good. And so I really hung on to that as a security blanket, which meant I was also kind of like assessing other people being wrong. And that's a horrible habit. Like it's a horrible habit. And it's, it's taken me decades to just let that go and saying it's not about being right. Obviously, we want to get to, you know, accurate right solutions but not at the um, cost of not honoring other people and, um, you know, bullying and mowing people over. Yeah. You know, I'm like mm. five, four and 110. How could I do that? But, you know, I, I have to be honest. I, there are times that I wasn't, um, you know, very skillful at all in it. And those would be the, the things that I, I regret most. No, that's really interesting. Thank you. Thanks for letting me know. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, I, um, I'm really um, very open-hearted about your generation, and, and I really hope that, um, I guess I should ask you, how do you feel about uh, the prospects for yourself, for the 
what's ahead for the world? Uh, I mean, I, I think, I mean, this might be exclusive to Stanford, um, but there's a really big pressure on, um, I guess, choosing a career that is like what your passion is. Like, they're always like, you know, I think a lot of kids are like coming from the start and they're like, I like, you know, I want to be an aeronautical like engineer. I want to um, like cure cancer, <laughs> you know, like these really like big things. Um, but actually just yesterday I was having a conversation uh, with my girlfriend about how like, you know, sometimes work is, you know, just work. Um, like it doesn't have to be necessarily like what you're passionate about. Um, like, it, you know, a job is, is a job. Um, and like, as long as you don't like, you know, necessarily hate doing it, like it's fine. Um, but I, I mean, I just think, you know, kind of for like our generation, um, the, the workforce is like, it's definitely moving in like a specific direction where I feel like a lot of things are becoming automated. Um, and so there's a, a big draw to computer science, um, and some of these other, you know, disciplines. Um, but I, I, you know, some of the consensus among, amongst my friends is, you know, they, they don't necessarily enjoy doing computer science, um, even though, you know, it, it may, you know, make them like a lot of money, um, especially straight out of college, um, you know, baseline software engineering or suite position is, you know, upwards of six figures, um, which is crazy, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm just, you know, kind of hoping that, you know, people still do find a job that find jobs that, you know, they, they find to some degree enjoyable, even if it's not, you know, their, their main passion, I guess. Yeah. Thank you for putting that out there and being real, Bennett, because, you know, I, I know that to get to a Stanford, you kind of have to do all these perfect things, right? <laughs> we all know that there's this yeah. sense, right? And it, it was, it is, so kudos for being there, um, which was like a mile from where I used to live. Uh, I think, you know, getting back to the basics, I would just say to the human connection, if you can be at a place, like regardless of what you're doing, you have a sense of uh, shared values um, and you feel like you um, can learn from the people, you like being around those people, you think those people help you be a better self. Um, but those are things that are really important. And I would say for a lot of the older generation, you know, a lot of those folks, my peers, they don't have that. They're at a place and they may be making good money, as you said, and it's not really meaningful. And so to have a balance, which is, you know, to say, hey, you know, it doesn't have to be all about the job and curing cancer. Um, but at the same time, you know, we're in this world, we're born, we live, we die. And if you can do something that you know, you find personally meaningful, which means you have to know what meaning yeah. is, right? And you can add any uh -huh. amount of value, right? Even one person's life is a little bit better, you know, for the stuff that you're doing. That's a win, you know? And yeah. I, th I think that you can also, your friends, as you have these conversations, say, you know, we can lead, lead, lead maybe a different way, which is not to say it's the only way, but lead with a way that says, hey, we're going to take this kind of approach. We're not going to go for the six-figure computer science that we really just don't like. Um, but we're also mm -hmm. realizing that, you know, that that means we have other choices that we make. And, you know, I think that to have the, the balanced perspective at the ages that you are is a pretty big thing. Um, I will just end saying that um, 
the whole passion thing, I do think gets overblown. And like, listen, you get out of life and you want to be able to fend for yourself. So you need yeah. to be able to get a job <laughs> yeah. and, you know, get rent and all these basic things that have to happen. And so that I call that creativity needs constraints. So your ability to kind of package all that up, that weighs in, right? So yeah, passion aside, maybe not the most passionate thing. Um, and so there may be something that you do for a bit, but, and, but just know that you're going to learn from everything that you do, Bennett, even if you learn that that's not what you want to do. And that's a win. Yeah. No, that that makes a lot of sense. That that definitely yeah, that definitely really helps. I I really appreciate it, Molly. Thanks so much. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate you. Sorry for the technical difficulties. Do you have one takeaway from our yeah. little chat that you would share with listeners? Oh yeah, no, definitely. I I have a couple. Um, I think first, um, not getting so wrapped up in. Um, I guess, yeah, having to make a choice right away, even though, it, you know, it seems like, like you, have to, you know, you have to pick your major. Um, there's a lot of, like, pressures to make decisions early, but you know, something that you said that, was, that really resonated was, you know, it, it definitely helps to, you know, kind of wait if you're not exactly sure what path you want to take in the exact moment. Um, and then, yeah, also, you know, finding, I, I think the other one was, like, you know, just finding a, a job that, you know, you, you enjoy, um, and, you know, taking the time to do that. Um, but it doesn't necessarily have to be like what you're super passionate about. Like you can find your passions outside of work too. Um, but you know, as long as you enjoy your work, you know, that, that, that seems like it's good enough for government work. (laughs) That's so great. (laughs) I, I love it. I am cheering for you all the way. You know how to reach me if I can be of more help. I just want to encourage you that, for all folks, even if we don't know what exactly the choice is, we can still be confident. So I think lots of people think, well, I'm not sure. You know, I'm not sure, but I know I'm going to figure it out. And I know you're going to figure it out. So um, I mm, hope you can take that you. with you to start your week. Okay. You take good care, Bennett. Thanks for joining me. You too. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, what a bright light. Okay, we're going to move over to uh, the Colorado Mountain area, and I'm going to welcome Kennedy to the show. Kennedy, welcome to Say It Skillfully. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Great to have you on the show, and what uh, situation or conversations on your mind? Um, so, I think the conversation that I am thinking about is, um, I've been out of the workforce, but when I was in the workforce, Um, the biggest problem that I had in my field was that I was perceived as um, younger, obviously, and a female in a male-dominated industry. And so um, I maybe didn't get the respect or the um, approval of some of my foremen that I worked with or other managers in the field. So I think what or how could we get to that level where they would understand me and they respect what I say. I think that was my biggest struggle when I was um, out in the field was just having them perceive me as somebody who knew exactly what I was meaning and I could talk to them even though they had more knowledge and technical experience, but I still knew what I knew and I could contribute to our projects as well. Thank you, thank you, thank you for raising this because I remember early in career being in a manufacturing plant with steel-toed shoes and a, a, a helmet, you know, and the same sort of feeling. So I'm very empathetic, <laughs> Kennedy, 
to you bring this yeah. up, and I'm really glad you're doing this for um, for all folks who feel like they may not be able to get their voice in and are in what I would call the the not dominant group. Um, so mm-hmm. I guess I'd always start first with our own sense of self, um, and I think it's very important to just stand tall in our own shoes. We can't expect other people to think of us as confident when we're not confident in ourselves, right? And I know that that can be hard. So that's just having that inner conversation. If I feel a little, I feel like they're not hearing me. I feel like I'm 25 years younger. I feel like, and those are all valid. And then you're going to process that and say, okay, is that going to help me? Let me just figure this out. I, I do have these things. I do bring these things. You have value. So that's just kind of getting whole within. And I say that because people can feel that, right? People can feel when someone comes in and they're standing tall. doesn't mean they, they're right and they have all the answers, but they can feel the sense of self and presence and that we can control. So I'd start with that is just realizing, look, at I want to be a, a contributing here. You want to help the organization, which is fabulous, right? So your intentions are positive. So exude that sort of energy is the first thing. And then, you know, I would say having compassion for the other group, when you're with, uh, you know, folks who have been there a long time, maybe it's all male, and they maybe they haven't had young, bright women to ever work with, so they don't really know what to do either. And I say that people right. are like, what? Like, yeah, they're kind of freaking out too because they're like, what do we do with her? You know, like we don't really know. So I say that just so that it it makes the the kind of all those other folks not seem so big and scary, if that makes sense. Is it, just realizing mm-hmm. that. You know, it's not necessarily easy for them. And then the, that ability, you know, when you first get in, questions, um, asking, finding out about who they are, and breaking down the barriers as people first, that will probably be a little shocking. And I'll just use a quick example. When I hop in a taxi cab in New York, because people have that reputation, you hop in 70th and 2nd Avenue, go this way, go that way. You know, I would go in, I would say, hey, how are you doing? And the ta- I can't tell you the number of taxi drivers who would look around. They'd like, what? And I'm like, hey, how are you? And they would be like, uh, I'm fine. I'm like, great. You know, so that ability to create connection with people, um, whatever way is the Kennedy way, is something to experiment with, right? And I think that that's when you mm-hmm. start to see people as human beings. Um, and then, you know, the, the throwing out questions and being vulnerable and asking and eager to learn. And people like to be able to, one, give advice, you know, tell you what they think. So that's a way to start to kind of work your way in. I'm just going to pause there. How's that landing for you? Yeah, no, I completely agree. There was definitely a couple of women that I made good connections with because they saw me as a daughter figure, if you will. Um, and that was exactly what seemed to resonate with them the best was asking questions, getting their advice, even if it was something silly, like, hey, I don't know how to get this um, paperwork done in a timely manner because I have these seven things to do. Is there any way that you could help me out Um, and take something off my plate? And they would be like, of course. And even if it took them five seconds, it seemed to be, you know, back and forth favors was another good way that I would always connect with them. Yeah, I love that. And then if you have allies, you great job. Kudos have allies. And if by chance you have other folks and you might confide and say, hey, you know, I'm having a little trouble cracking the code with so-and-so, right? Boy, there's nothing, you know, that can be more powerful than someone from the quote-unquote dominant group 
paving the way. Oh, let me help you with that, Kennedy. And so all of a sudden, what would it help if you worked on a project with them? So, you know, I think sometimes thinking about asking for other folks to help you is people think, oh, you know, I can't do that. I'm like, yeah, you can, because people want to help you. And if you're adding more value to the organization, that's only better for the organization. So it's not as if you're imposing if you will. I think sometimes people feel like, well, I can't ask. People are really busy. I'm like, well, <laughs> but you're all part of the same organization. And to right. the extent that everyone is like cranking on all cylinders, it really helps the whole. And I just had a, a great story of a dear friend out of the workforce, 16 years, just got back, right? Literally was raising her daughter. And she said, you know, I can't tell you how, ha- how helpful Every single person has been because there's a lot of systems, a lot of things that are pretty detailed. And she goes, I ask and people like drop everything and they come and help me. So I think that that's, you know, I think a real testament to people seeing her value. And as, as I, you know, I know you're out of the workforce now, but at some point you might head back and just realizing that, hey, you have a ton of value to add. And it's only, only to our benefit if we help everybody in the organization uh, contribute to their fullest. Right. Any other thoughts, Kennedy? Um, I don't think so. I mean, this has been really helpful. I really appreciate the advice. And yes, I will be going back into the workforce, hopefully here soon. Um, okay, that's right. a year off for my son. So, nice. Um, that's nice. Approaching that year rapidly. But um, when I get back out in the workforce, I think definitely using some of the tactics of communicating and helping with um, getting different favors and having people you know, help me out with other things that I'm struggling with when I have somebody who's a little bit more combative than um, another, that would be great. So, yeah, I'm excited. That's great. I think that was a lot of good advice. That's great. I am cheering for you. And the, the person is, who I was talking to is going to join the show, but I'll just give you an advance peek. And she really did network along the way with folks just to loop back, you know, six months in or nine months in, checking in and keeping connected with folks. Um, so that they mm-hmm. knew at some point, whenever that was, that, um, and so, you know, that's a little bit of a slice of work you kind of dabble into every, every few months, perhaps. Um, right. I'm cheering for you. You are um, a great bright light as well, and uh, you know how to reach me, so if I can be of more help, you let me know. Um, and Kennedy, I thank you for joining me and being part of the solution. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Take care. Okay, we're going to head over further west, back to the west, actually, and I am thrilled to welcome Grace to the show. Grace, welcome to Say It Skillfully. Hi, Molly. How are you? I am doing fine. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me today. Well, I am thrilled that you're joining me, and I'm looking forward to the situation that's on your mind. Yes. Um, well, the situation on my mind is kind of like a little bit similar to what the uh, lady just described, I think. But my, my situation is a little bit further. Uh, as you know, uh, I'm Chinese. Um, I think in the organization or traditionally people would uh, think that Chinese women uh, typically are very submissive and they don't really stand up for themselves. And uh, I always think of myself as a young generation um, that I'm, um, I, I was actually taught to uh, stay true to myself 
and uh, um, to stand up for myself and stand up for my community. But I think uh, this kind of behavior sometimes makes uh, some people uncomfortable. And it just, you know, um, and I, I think this is the situation that I encountered um, several times. And I would really love your advice on how to skillfully not only uh, to voice our mind, but also, you know, to help other people along the way to voice their mind as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you for raising this. Another um, situation that I am very <laughs> familiar with, and I'm just kind of cringing at all the times that I really didn't do a very good job. Um, so I think for women, for Asian women, there's um, a fine line, I think, for, you know, what men can get, not get away with, but how they can um, react and behave. Um, women sometimes will emulate that a bit, thinking that that's the behavior that's wanted, and it doesn't go so well because that's not really you, and it can come across, you know, where, where it's perceived as, you know, um, uh, positive fashion for men. A, a woman can do that, and it's perceived in more of a negative way. Um, I don't want to lament that. I think people go back and forth. It shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way. It is what it is. And I think mm-hmm. for each of us, right, to figure out what's, how is it that you can come across in an authentic way that also is well-received, right? So it's not just that you're staying true to yourself because we want to stay true to ourselves and at the same time honor the other people. And, and this is all art. I just think this is the part of just figuring out how is, what is the uniqueness of grace that helps people mm-hmm want to pull you in to want to learn more. So mm-hmm. the ability to, to for, for, before getting it into any of the substance of the what is that connection piece, right? And so mm-hmm. let's say you're, you're in a, a conversation, you're hearing um, something you really disagree with, let's just make this up, right? Um, and you're very happy to just blurt out that this is not, I don't see it this way, but you know that that that's not other people aren't going to be comfortable because like what are you doing submissive Asian woman's not supposed to be speaking up right so I so I think mm-hmm. that that's a bit of reading the room and it might be saying hey I really I want to appreciate the uh, uh, open dialogue and I'm really hearing and I'm learning a lot from these different points of view that everyone has been sharing so there's a positivity mm-hmm. there there's an acknowledgement of other people there obviously all said in an authentic way. You have to be really genuine about it, Grace, right? And then saying, if, mm-hmm. you know, I'd like to offer, which is a giving, an offer, a, a different point of view. Uh, I, I'm seeing it a bit differently. And I'd love to get other folks' thoughts on this. And I'm sure that together we can align on uh, what we think the reality really is. So there's a bit of, a slight a bit of asking for permission. You're not being waffling, Okay but you're not like blurting it out. So sometimes Mm -hmm. I'm all for being more direct, straightforward, subject, verb, subject, verb. Sometimes you want to work your way into the conversation and done in a way that's smiling, that's a lot of eye contact, that's looking around the room so people can feel that, hey, I'm here to really try to help do the the right thing for all of us, not trying to make Grace look amazing. So I'm just going to pause there. How's that landing for you? Yeah, I think that's definitely true. Um, I I would consider myself a very compassionate person and uh, work for social justice as well. But 
I, I do agree with you that sometimes, you know, the way we communicate and how we express ourselves would make uh, some people think that you probably have your own agenda instead of like you are making us uh, better together. Yeah, I definitely yeah. take that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I appreciate you bringing up this agenda topic. So this is the deal. Yes. Many, many, mm-hmm. many times there are different agendas. And you know what? So great if we get transparency of the different mm-hmm. agendas. And it's not, no one's a bad person for having a different agenda. It is part of the reality for this group. And so the ability to say, hey, let's just go around here and just understand what, let's say it's different departments, you know, and there's a decision and just feel like, what would the impact on your department be? Let's not make it personal. It's not, do you like it? Do you not like it? Help us all understand that if we make this decision, what is the impact on your department? you know, pros and cons and creating visibility of the things that are, we want to avoid and then transparency for the things that are a win really helps a group align on what's the right answer for the whole, right? And people have heard me use this example, but I'll just share with it with you. Like lots of times in companies, it's about headcount requisitions. Who gets the headcount recs, right? Because they Mm -hmm. win. Mm -hmm. And let's just say the marketing guy, because they're such, because they're so great at marketing, makes the better case. And so they get the, the headcount recs. But if folks saw the situation, they'd say that really the product people need the recs. So this, so the marketing department won the battle, but the company lost the war, right? Yeah. And so I think what happens is it becomes very personal. That leader is a better leader or that leader won. You know, there's ego that gets involved, understandably. The person who can say, hey, just for a second here, let's just think about this, you know, a little less personally. Could we revisit this? You know, I think a lot of people think that they can't do anything about it. Like, this is just how it is. I said, well, it's how, it's how it is if you let it be that way. And so, you know, I'm not saying that every time you try, you're going to be successful. But if you at least, you know, try to help create transparency for what's going on and you do your best with it, you know, you'll sleep mm-hmm. better at night, right? You can't control other people, of course. Um, yeah, so how sure. is all that um, landing for you? Does that I think give you some... Really- very helpful. Yeah. Okay. I, I do have a question about your uh, social justice work, if you don't mind me, because I've been doing a lot of that on the show to try to help give voice um, to uh, some of the experiences that people may not know about. So I, mm-hmm. so I might ask you just a little bit about your own your background in America. I don't know if you were born here and just um, a little bit about how the Asian American Pacific Islander situation in the country has impacted you? Uh, thanks for bringing up this question. Um, I think, actually, uh, as you can probably know, um, I actually was not born here. I came here uh, almost a decade ago for college. Um, so I think uh, the you know Asian American Pacific Islander issue and the race issue actually uh, has a more impact on me than, you know, some people um, who were actually born here because um, I was actually exposed to some uh, social and societal problems like that. Um, For instance, when I first came here, uh, I was like a kind of like a very, very young college student. And I would think I'm very comfortable with my English, but some people would think, um, you know, uh, they can tell you are not born here because of the accent. So, you know, this is kind of like a very subtle uh, signals I 
was actually getting in the past, uh, even, I mean, like it's getting better and better in the situation in the past uh, over a decade. So um, that's actually one of the reasons, you know, I uh, commit myself to uh, social justice and social change because um, I actually experienced that in my life, right? Uh, it's, it's not like a tragedy I experience every day, but, you know, how people talk to you or how people look at you, you know, this is something I really feel every day. Yeah. So um, I did, um, you know, uh, work on a lot of, you know, Asian Americans or Chinese American community events. You know, I was a volunteer to a low income Chinese immigrant uh uh, community in Boston for over a year. I work with uh, some Chinese decent uh, children with uh, low-functioning autism, yeah. So that's kind of my way to contribute back to my community and help uh, the community, yeah. I appreciate that you do that and and bringing this up, and I don't want to um, invoke any periods of pain or bad memories, but could you just help with listeners when you say, you know, the the way people talk to you, how they talk to you that was not, um, you know, not in a just fashion. Maybe just give people some examples because I think that can help people who may inadvertently, I think all of us have inadvertently done things that may have not helped lift um, other groups and we're just not aware. So if you could share a bit of what Uh, you experienced. Yeah, I, I think oh, definitely it was not pain. I think I grew out of these experiences in the past. But I can uh, tell you that uh, when I first came here, you know, as a young college student, and one time I walked around uh, college campus and uh, like a two uh, people actually came to talk to me. I think they were very curious and they... Um, asked me like, oh, you know, like, are you from China? And the people in China wear jeans. And at that time, you know, I was a little bit surprised and shocked because, you know, I was like, um, yeah, I think a lot of the clothes you wear are actually made in China. And yes, people in China wear jeans. Uh, So, you know, this is just a very, um, to some extent, interesting example. Um, But that really helps me to... uh, devote myself to, you know, making the bridge, you know, between the U.S., China, or between China and U.S. with other countries in the world. Yeah. Bravo for you for being such an example of taking your experience and doing something about it. So that is, I just want to celebrate that in you, my friend. That is spectacular. Uh, I know you're on to some really big things, um, so I'm just going to ask you if you have one top takeaway from our little conversation. Um, yeah, I I really benefit a lot from your mentorship and your sponsorship, and I uh, one takeaway is uh, we want to be uh, together and move forward together. So I think the togetherness and the collectiveness is really what is needed in our society right now. That's wonderful. I thank you for being the change you want to see in the world. Reach out to me anytime I'm here for you. I thank you for being part of the solution. You have a great week, Grace. Thank you, Molly. Bye. (laughs) Ah, The world's going to be better, folks. Keep the faith. Okay, I have one scenario that I have been meaning to do, and now is the time. And um, 
it's the perspective on the topic of work from home and going back to the office. And I think it's a great opportunity to apply the principles of say it skillfully. So it's been very interesting for me to hear the different sides of this topic from employees as well as from management. Publicly, you know, I've seen on social media, it feels a bit, at least to me, a bit one-sided in terms of hearing all about the employee experience and what employees want. And having done mostly remote work over the past decade plus, I'll just say I fully appreciate and enjoy the benefits for sure. I have found it somewhat fascinating, though, to read uh, more than a few times, and I'm just going to paraphrase this quote, you know, if you're in management and think everyone's coming back, you're crazy, you know, and, and unquote. And it's that kind of tone. And whether it, that's true or not isn't my point at all, but it's just that this kind of tone is likely to put leaders on their heels. It's more divisive than unifying. Personally, I don't think we need any more divisiveness in the country, uh, in the world. So rather than anyone being on offense or on defense of the issue, how about thinking about what best serves the whole? So let's remember, it's in everyone's best interest if the overall organization thrives. So that's really the end game. Um, and so let's just step through this in a classic, say it's skillfully fashion. I'll call out three distinct entities. So there's the individuals, management as a group, and the highest level of the company or organization. But as we know, we all want to hear all voices, including the unpopular ones, so that a group gets to an accurate shared reality. So it's vital to have transparency of what's going on for all of these different entities. And it's tempting. We, we might think we know what it's like for everyone else, um, but thinking that isn't knowing. So we actually need to know. And that means hearing from the horse's mouth and everyone, everyone knowing that this information is out there. That's what the shared reality is all about. So let's just imagine you're preparing for a discussion about this. So the first step is what's going on for you, whether you're at the employee uh, perspective or uh, leader perspective, think about what's going on for you. Um, what's working, what's not, how would you articulate it, and differentiate between what you think are needs and wants. And being clear on that is important because some of those things may be non-negotiable for you, but others are negotiable. So just know what those are. And once you've done that, and, I, and folks have heard me say this, you're grounded in yourself. So you can now kind of exhale because you know where you are and think about what's it like for everyone else um, and putting yourself in other people's shoes. You know, if you're in management, and listening to folks, it's not just that you, 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 you're hearing all this. Can you confirm that the people feel that they have been heard, right? Um, and for employees thinking about, you know, what would it be like to be in the management team and having to manage people who are, you know, all over the world, just, just trying to put yourself in other people's shoes creates an empathetic connection. And then the third step is really what does serve the whole. And for folks that have 20 people in a company or 200 people in a company, you know, that's a far cry from 2,000 or 20,000 or 100,000 employees. So just appreciate, you know, there's a lot of different ponds out there, very different sizes. Um, you know, I think culture is king. People would say that the cultures really matter. People matter. It's the relationships that underpin the highest performance, right? Folks nod their hair. Yeah, yeah, Molly, we get that. Well, that takes actually interacting and relating with each other, 
right? So fundamentally, at work, we're solving problems. That's what work's about. Um, and being able to do so in a full context, sport, you know, fashion, collaborating side by side, you know, has a lot of great benefits. So I just want to kind of show both sides of the coin here. I'm not here to pick one over the other, uh, but I do hope that uh, these few thoughts helps people consider more objectively what will help the overall organization to thrive. And that's really the responsibility of management and thriving is what enables jobs for folks. So I encourage um, folks to be open and curious about the other stakeholders' interests. Um, and I have no doubt that together you can craft a winning work approach, you know, for this next six, nine-month phase. Um, so I, I welcome folks' thoughts on that. Uh, and I'll close with my thought for the week. Give yourself permission to be yourself. No one does it better than you. And that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in. Please be part of the solution and kindly share this show. Reflect on your own top takeaways. And no, I'm cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality, essential to make the best decisions, execute with speed, and achieve outstanding outcomes at work and in life. Homelessness is a problem that's more costly to ignore than solve. The U.S. spends $12 billion a year responding, but resources alone aren't enough. I'd like you to know there are cities and counties proving what does work. Partnering with Community Solutions, a nonprofit I'm on the board of, more than 80 communities around the country are succeeding in ending homelessness, beginning with chronic and veteran homelessness. They convene local leaders around data and are changing how they work and spend their resources. So homelessness becomes rare. More than half have already reduced the number of people experiencing chronic and veteran homelessness with commitment to get to zero. What can you do? Visit www.built40.org and see whether your community is engaged. Contact your mayor and ask, do you know the number of people experiencing homelessness in real time? Do you know every homeless person by name? What are you doing to drive measurable reductions in homelessness? Please challenge the fiction that says homelessness is an intractable problem. Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter. Check out SayItSkillfully.com and sign up so you don't miss her latest 90-second video. And please, be part of the solution. Kindly tell others about this program so they say it skillfully too. 